from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Maybe you are no fan of bats. They certainly are odd looking, and maybe you suspect they had something to do with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's a theory. But both of my guests today know a lot more about bats than you do, and they are key parts of local bat conservation efforts. And during this bat week, they join us to tell us about their work and all about the local bat population. Vana Kuczynska is a wildlife biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Vana, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Happy to be here. And we're also joined today by Calvin uh, Maginel. He's an ecological resource scientist at the Shaw Nature Reserve. Calvin, welcome. Hi, thank you. So, Calvin, give us just a, a little bit of the big picture here. What makes bats so integral to our ecosystem? Well, bats are really important because of the ecological services related to insect control. And... I think without having that as a part of our ecosystems, there would be greater damage to crops, um, even trees. Uh, people tend to prefer forestry, forest products in Missouri, and um, it's amazing how many species of caterpillars and moths feed on those oak trees. Mm-hmm. And bats really do a, a massive amount of control for those uh, species that that eat a lot of things. So without them, uh, insects would just be running amok. Um, Vana, I understand that, you know, in addition to appreciating them in the ecosystem, you're also kind of a fan of these. You've said you didn't start working with bats (laughs) until your post-grad years, but once you held one in your hands, you were like instantly hooked. What about bats fascinates you so much? Oh, they're just so unique. Um, I really do think they are a misunderstood animal and they're first of all they're the only flying mammal and they're there's over a thousand four hundred species and each of those species are different and so there's just such a diversity of bats on this planet so that you can never run out of some, something to study um, I'm absolutely obsessed with bats uh, and I specifically study echolocation in bats and I think it's just so fascinating that they can use sound to navigate at night and to pick up very, very tiny insects. Um, Vana, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to cut in here. We're having some like weird problems with your line there. I think we're going to call you back on your phone. Um, if you don't mind, we're going to we're going to drop the computer connection we have. We're going to get you on the line real quick. I'm going to hop over to Calvin uh, while we get Vana on. Uh, Vana was talking about just the diversity of bat species. Calvin, that kind of ties into the work being done at the Shaw Nature Reserve. Overall, is the Shaw Nature reserve where you work. Is that a big bat hangout? We didn't know it was until somewhat recently. In 2017 or 2018, um, there was a what's called a bio blitz, which is where a bunch of people who are just interested in identifying species, um, they all came to Shaw, Shaw Nature Reserve. And amongst all the other things that they had a great time identifying, um, we actually found and, and captured actually an Indiana bat. Um, and why is that a big deal? An Indiana bat, I'm thinking, okay, Indiana's not that exciting, but this was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Indiana bats are federally listed, and for that reason, there's a lot more 
focus on the conservation and um, trying to maintain habitat for those species. And there are a whole bunch of reasons that species become federally listed, but the Indiana bat, the main drivers of its um, population decline are habitat loss and then white-nose syndrome. Okay. So you discovered this rare federally listed bat right there in in the Shaw Nature Reserve. And Vana, I understand you're back with us, and I understand that's when the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service stepped in. Um, you're getting involved because of the fact this is a federally endangered species? Hi. Uh, sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah. So we discovered that there's Indiana bats at Shaw in about, I think it was in 2017 during a bio blitz. And it was very unexpected. We weren't really sure what we would find. But, uh, you know, we happened to catch one bat that night and it was an endangered female Indiana bat. And that made us realize that there's a colony there and that we need to study it and determine where it roosts on the property and how it's doing and how many bats belong to that colony, which uh, led into this beautiful partnership between the Fish and Wildlife Service and Shaw, where now we work collaboratively to monitor that population and to also make sure that there's really nice habitat on site for that species. And so what have you learned, Vana, about this colony? I mean, how many of these Indiana bats are just hanging out in Shaw? Yeah, so this is a pretty big colony. There's more than 200 individuals and this colony is made up of females and also the pups and so um, we ended up putting little tiny bat transmitters on the bat on the bats and tracked them to a stand of dead trees that um, earlier that year or maybe the year before Shaw was doing a prescribed burn and killed off some trees in this area which became these beautiful trees that the bats could roost in. And so, um, and then we actually counted all the bats coming out and found that there's over 200 Indiana bats in that tree. So for, for Indiana bats, it's a pretty big colony. So Calvin, it sounds like you'd inadvertently created a really great bat habitat. That wasn't something that you thought of going in when you did this controlled burn. That's correct. The controlled burn, one of the, one of the perks of controlled burning is that you do create snags in trees our snags um, are, are dead standing trees. Um, so you, you create those, generally speaking, when trees are already somewhat unhealthy, or in this case, if there's a whole bunch of fuel piled at the base of a tree during a normal kind of low-intensity prescribed fire. And sorry, when you talk about fuel, do you mean things like dead leaves? Dead leaves. And in this case, because it was actually in the floodplain of the Merrimack River, it was sticks and logs and just debris pile from Mm -hmm. normal just logs and things traveling down the river that got kind of packed at the base of some of these trees. That's very cool. So you ended up making this this great habitat. This worked out swimmingly. Um, So Vana, your work now, you got a handle on the size of this community or this colony. But now that you've done that, I understand your bat work is not complete at all. You're also doing some additional research there on site. Uh, What are you up to there? Yeah, so a part of my job is to review proposals for projects, uh, and those could be development projects and any projects that require removal of woodlands and removal of these dead standing trees. And as part of that process, we have to review um, if if that project could potentially impact bats and impact um, endangered species. 
And so we have to ask these developers to go out and do surveys and determine if their project will impact that species. And they have to go out and actually tell me uh, if there are bats there. But it's really tough. And so, and we have to have guidance that directs them for how to do it. How long do you actually have to go out into a woodland to know if an Indiana bat is present there? Is it one day? Is it five days? And so because Shaw has such a nice diversity of bats and because it has a colony of these endangered bats, we can use Shaw to, to use it as one of our sample points to decide and study it how long it takes to actually pick up a bat using this special bat detector that are usually deployed to pick up bats. And so that's kind of what we're doing there. So we're trying to understand how long it takes to pick up not only Indiana bats, but other bats that we're concerned about that we think could potentially get listed on the Endangered Species Act in the future. So this is just all kind of a great laboratory for some of these things you need to understand in order to put protections in place elsewhere. Absolutely. So, Vana, yeah, you you mentioned this bat detector, and this is actually a, a great thing because you've shared a recording with us that was made of an echolocating hoary bat, um, and this is something that was done with a bat detector. I'm going to play this for people here, and then I'm going to ask you to sort of explain what's going on in this recording. So let's listen to this. So that is the echolocating hoary bat. But Vana, even if I had bionic ears, I wouldn't hear this sound in nature. What am I hearing in this recording? Yeah, so um, most bats uh, you cannot hear. There are some um, out in the desert that you might. But in in Missouri, bats call in the ultrasonic range, and so we cannot hear them. So we have to use devices uh, that are equipped with a special microphone that can detect ultrasonic sound. And so what that device does, it records that call, and then we can convert it into something that you can hear by slowing it down a lot. And, and that's what you just heard. It's, a, it's a, what a bat sounds like. And those pulses, those little peaks that you hear are pulses and, or, and the echoes uh, coming from the bat. And those are used to uh, navigate through a woodland to know where a tree is, or they might be used to find an insect. So um, they're, they're producing those sounds all night long as they're flying. Very interesting. So I have to say, like, through the course of this conversation, you guys have sold me a little bit on these bats. They do seem really interesting, to Vanna's earlier point, and I also understand now the role they play in this ecosystem. But, Vanna, I understand they are under a lot of threats. Is this principally just as development continues to encroach upon places where they might live, or is there more, um, more here that's a problem for bats? Yeah, there's there's really uh, there's several threats, but primarily um, deforestation is a big one, and there's plenty of it in St. Louis, right, and all over Missouri, and so we have to be very careful with where we remove woodland habitat to make sure that we're not removing it from these endangered species, or that if we do it, we do it very carefully and thoughtfully. And then another big issue that's more recent is uh, a disease called white-nose syndrome. And it's a fungus that grows on the bats when they're hibernating. And it, and it is prevalent in Missouri, and it is definitely killing off many of our bats. And is there anything that can be done about that, Vana? 
there's a lot of researchers uh, focusing and studying what we could do. Right now, there's no, no cure. Missouri has over 7,000 caves. So even if we were to find a cure, it's very difficult to apply because you would have to visit many, many caves to apply this, some sort of antifungal, for instance. Mm. And so the best we can do is just really manage habitats uh, that currently exist and make sure that we're not stressing the bats out in any other ways. So uh, habitat management is very important and making sure we're, we're just leaving dead standing trees alone. That's really a big one. Just making sure we're not stressing bats out in any other ways while they're dealing with this disease. So, Calvin, in our final minute here, we've been talking about the fact that Shaw Nature Reserve is such a great place for bats that, you know, there's these these big colonies of them here. Are there other management activities going on there um, that are designed to just shore up how this this area works for them? Yes. In fact, um, because of the collaboration with Fish and Wildlife Service, we've been able to increase our capacity. Uh, we've hired some new technicians recently, and one of the major projects that we're working on is actually focusing on creating better bat habitat along the Merrimack River. So uh, one of the things that we're doing is is creating snags of dead standing trees instead of just through prescribed fire activities, which we already do um, annually in, in various places on site. Instead, we're actually going and, for example, in places where the, the trees are really thick and it would be hard for, for bats to forage because it's harder for them to fly through really thick forests, then we might take uh, maybe 20 of the smaller mid-story trees and, and actively kill those so that they can A, become habitat, and B, as they fall down, then it, it'll be easier for the bats to forage in those areas. Hmm. We're also focusing a lot on invasive species management because, as you are very aware, um, invasive species can really change the character of an ecosystem and the quality of the food sources that bats utilize. So if you have a monoculture of, say, bush honeysuckle, mm. you probably don't have as many native insects that are then flying around at, at night, which obviously um, can then affect what types of things the bats are, are able to eat. Interesting. So, so much work goes into conserving and, and managing for these species. It's great to hear this is happening. Uh, Calvin Maginel, uh, ecological resource scientist at the Shaw Nature Reserve, thank you so much for joining us and telling us about it. Oh, it was my pleasure. And Vana Kuczynska, wildlife biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode was produced by Laura Hamden with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. 
St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.